Welcome to the Andy Griffin Show, the number one talk show in St. George, starring Andy Griffin. Morning to you. I am Andy Griffin. Thanks for tuning in today. I know we all have a lot on our minds. There's things to be afraid of, things to not be afraid of. People are buying way too much toilet paper. I don't know what that's all about, but uh, we'll talk about that and more. It's uh, open lines for the next 15 minutes, but uh, to help me out with open lines today, I actually have a guest on the phone line with me, uh, Dr. Sue Jackson. Dr. Jackson, are you there? I am here. Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for coming on the show. Now, Dr. Jackson is a professor at uh, Utah Valley University. She has a doctorate from the University of Utah and a master's and an undergraduate degree from uh, from Brigham Young University. And you are an epidemiologist, of all things. I guess it's kind of a busy time uh, right now for you, isn't it, Sue? It's been a busy time. A lot of people have questions about what's going on, and uh, for the first time, people are understanding what epidemiology is. So that's kind of exciting for me, uh, that public health is in the limelight. Unfortunately, I wish it were better circumstances for that, uh, but oh, yeah, well we want to know what's going on. Yeah, for sure. Now, well, before we get into coronavirus, maybe if you'll talk about epidemiology. I know you teach a class on it. My my uh, son is actually, I don't know if he took that class from me, but he's taking classes from you, and, and you come highly recommended. So what what is epidemiology, uh, and, and more specifically, how does it apply with to what we're talking about today? Yeah, uh, so epidemiology is the study of the distribution of disease in a population. And so we're looking at rates and numbers. So we're always looking birth rates, death rates, what people are dying of, uh, new emerging infectious diseases, which is where coronavirus falls. Uh, we have national notifiable diseases that we track every single year. So we know how many diseases are in a population at any given time. So it's the math behind disease and the tracking of disease. And so we've been following coronavirus in my current epidemiology class since the beginning of the semester, talking about it in China. And then it's uh, become more relevant here as we talk about it spreading to the United States. I guess the first question that I would, I would kind of pop into my head when it comes to this is, are we overreacting a little bit in the United States? I would say no, based okay. on what's happening in Italy. Um, one of the things that we know about coronavirus, so, so let me back up for a minute. I know that people are saying, but we only have, um, this morning we're at 3,813 cases uh, mm-hmm. from John Hopkins is what they're reporting. It's only 3,000. Uh, And yet with the flu, we've lost 20,000 people already, people who have died from the flu. And so this seems like an overreaction to the maybe 4,000 cases we have. But there are dramatic differences between the flu and coronavirus when we talk about what's happening to people. So uh, one of the big ones is this fatality rate. The flu has a fatality rate of 0.1%. Coronavirus right now in the United States, we're sitting at 1.8% fatality rate Hmm. um, that may... Uh, go a little bit higher or a little bit lower. These numbers are hard to adjust for because we're not testing very well. But right now we know it is more fatal, more likely to cause uh, serious damage. But the big thing with coronavirus is that people are ending up in the hospital for two to three weeks at a time. And so if they are in very severe cases in ICU for two to three weeks at a time, and we end up in a situation like Italy, where they're getting thousands of new cases every single day, our hospital system cannot handle that. And so when we talk about being aggressive, we are we, the terms that are going to go down in history for 2020, uh, one of them is going to be this flattening the curve. We've heard mm-hmm. that all weekend, haven't yeah, we? Yeah, for sure. And uh, what we're really talking about is trying to slow down this 
pandemic, this uh, great number of cases all at once, if we can slow down the exponential rate, then our hospitals have a chance. We can't send 2,000 people a day to the hospital needing ICU care. It's going to put us in a really bad place in the United States. So the more that we can keep people away from each other, the more uh, likely we are to slow down the spread of the disease and give healthcare workers a chance. It seems like to me uh, that if we were better at listening to our leaders, that we wouldn't need all these bans and these close downs. Uh, you know, I mean, I mean, it, it, is it so simple as, man, if you're sick, just don't go anywhere? Or is it more complicated than that? It's so on a simplistic level, yes, um, if people would listen a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And I think the prime example is the mass shopping right now. We've just been told by the governor to avoid places that are over 100 people and we've got thousands of people lined up at Costco. So that's problematic. But I do think that it's not quite as simple as if you're sick, just don't hang out with other people. We know with this virus that it sheds long before you have symptoms, several days, in fact, before you have symptoms that you start shedding the virus. And then after you're uh, well, that you continue to shed the virus. And one of the uh, fortuitous uh, things about the cruise ship, the, the Diamond Princess, and I know they probably don't feel it as fortuitous, but mm-hmm. in public health, one of the fortuitous things is that we saw uh, kind of how this disease reacted, and we were able to study it. And so they've been testing people to release them from quarantine, and they've found people that are shedding the disease, you know, we're at weeks now after initial Uh, symptoms were present, and they're still shedding that disease and spreading it to other people. Uh, So if it were just that you could spread disease when you were sick, this would make it a lot uh, more simplistic. We also know we have asymptomatic carriers. So those are people who are carrying the disease that don't show any symptoms, which is problematic because they are going about their daily life and exposing other people, having no idea that they're doing so. Right. No, nothing malicious, nothing intentional about it. It's just that they don't know. They don't uh, know. Good point. Yeah. Now, now, we had uh, Jerry Jorgensen on the show on Friday. She's uh, one of the was the one, one of them from Utah on that first cruise ship out in Japan mm-hmm. that tested positive. And she was isolated for 14 days in Japan. She said it was an odd experience because nobody spoke English. And yeah. so she really felt alone. But uh, she now has received a week apart, two negative uh, uh, test results, which means in her mind she's completely uh, free of the d- disease. But you talked about the fact that it can still be spread. I- is that disease just dormant in her, or is it gone, gone? It should be gone, and that's why they're doing the testing um, days and weeks apart, and they're looking for multiple tests to ensure that they're okay to be now back in society without spreading the disease. But in most cases, we've done that with uh, the cruise ship um, Uh, the people who got it on the cruise ship, but we're not doing that necessarily in society in the same way. Uh, And we're not going to be able to. As the rates go up, you can't test people every, you know, once a week to make sure that they don't have the disease before we release them um, out of isolation. Now, in the news recently, it's, uh, the CDC said that it pretty much shouldn't have public gatherings for a minimum of eight weeks now. That means uh, things like the NBA, Major League Baseball, uh, they're, they're looking at mid-May at the earliest before they would resume. Uh, are we being too cautious, or is this a good recommendation that we should not have big public gatherings for a couple of months? Yeah, that's a good recommendation, and I know it's, um, it's a hard recommendation for a lot of people. It's- mm-hmm. Uh, we're doing what is best for the entire population, not 
what is best for maybe somebody individually. And I realize it has ramifications, whether it's weddings or we're talking at a university level graduation mm-hmm. or whatever church. else it may be. Yeah. Church. Yeah, we're talking about socially isolating, which I know is hard from a mental health standpoint for a lot of people. But if we look at the exponential growth rate of this disease right now, we are um, the the statistics side of it. Um, our rate is increasing. We're at about 30% increase each day. So you know, in the last 24 hours, we're about 1,000 people higher than we were yesterday morning. But that exponential increase is just going to get higher and higher. We have to slow that down. And it's going to take a long time to slow that down. We know the incubation period is 2 to 14 days, which means that people who are infected now, we're still going to see those new cases 14 days from now. Um, before any of the restrictions were placed. So we're at least 14 days out from seeing that decrease if this social isolation and distancing uh, is actually going to work. If it works. Okay. Now, mm-hmm. what would you say to someone uh, like me, for instance? I have, I have never met someone who I, I don't know anyone who has the coronavirus, so I don't have anything to fear. So I think, <laughs> I think we have to be careful in terms of fear, I think we should be prepared. I don't think we should be scared um, about uh, coronavirus. I think that the fear is what is driving the insanity and is actually not helpful in terms of public health. It is the lines at the grocery stores, the shelves being wiped out. And what that does is it causes more fear for people. So now I'm scared I'm not going to be able to get milk if I need it, so I better buy a whole bunch. And so people are running out to the stores because they see the shelves are empty. That's not helpful in a situation like this. So we need to be prepared, uh, but uh, as we've heard multiple times, the grocery system plans to continue functioning. They're not shutting down grocery stores. Um, Even President Trump said yesterday, you don't need to go mass buy supplies. Um, That's not necessary at this point. So you should be prepared. You should be prepared to stay at home. Um, I think we should limit contact with others as much as possible. I don't think that the schools being out of session is free reign to now let's go play at the parks and the trampoline parks and uh, the museums and let kids hang out. I think that defeats the purpose. I think isolation as much as possible now is going to save us time on the back end where we can actually go out and resume society again. Yeah, our, uh, Dr. Blodgett, who is the director of the Southwest Utah Public Health Department down here, he says one of the problems when you shut down schools is those kids have to go somewhere and do something, and they usually go out and hang out with their friends, and they go out and do stuff and even travel, and then you've got a bigger problem than if they were just in school. W- would you recommend that they uh, continue keeping school? Right now it's just a two-week hiatus. Would you recommend they, they keep school out? So I would recommend we wait for the data and we see where we're at in two weeks. Um, I I don't think we're going to have a dramatic difference in two weeks. I think we're going to be where we're at right now um, with this exponential rate increase is what I mean. So I don't think we're going to stay where we're at. I think we're going to be exponentially increasing still in two weeks. Um, and, And there's a couple of reasons. Like I said, we've got the incubation period. But we are so far behind in testing that I think we have far more cases than we are even aware of. Uh, that once we actually get testing services uh, more readily available, especially here in Utah, I think you're going to see the numbers jump dramatically. But you talked about fear a little bit, and, and then there's not much to fear, or maybe maybe even fear is the wrong word, but what are some things we should be concerned about? I mean, we hear it over and over, wash your hands. Is, is there anything else that we really need to make sure we're doing? 
I would, uh, yeah, I'd make sure you wash your hands, you're not touching your face. I would have um, reasonable supplies on hand. I wouldn't, not the crazy level that we've seen. <laughs> um, I would be concerned for those that are over 60 and immunocompromised. Uh, they're going to be the most at risk of this uh, COVID uh, disease. And so especially those, we've seen the mortality rates go up especially those 80 and above. So let's look at our most vulnerable members in society and how we can help them to self-isolate and do so in a safe manner. Um, that would be the number one concern in my book is let's take care of those, that population, that, that older population. And then let's make sure that our healthcare workers are taken care of. Um, my biggest concern when the schools were closed are, was about the healthcare workers and where do their children go mm. as they now have to go to work in this uh, pandemic crisis, but yet they need child care. So we have to take care of our health care workers as well. That's well said. Don't, don't even really think about that. But every one of those people that's trying to help you has their own lives and things to be concerned about. Uh, well, well said, Dr. Jackson. Are you okay with we, if we take a couple of phone calls? Yeah, sure. All right. Uh, we're on with Dr. Sue Jackson. She's an epidemiologist. And uh, let's go to line one. Caller, you're on with uh, Dr. Jackson. How are you today? Yes, uh, thank you for having Dr. Jackson. I agree with what she's saying, and uh, uh, if I need to, I will certainly call uh, Mr. English. I'd like you to hold her over, uh, forego the uh, uh, infomercial. Is there going to be an infomercial this morning at 9.30? There is, yep. Okay, so please, uh, this is an opportunity to talk to a real epidemiologist, and what she says, saying is right on, and I've been saying prepare for uh, 40 years now because I'm in the cert business. So um, uh, we need more of this, and let me just suggest some things that uh, I've been talking about different things we might do, liposomal vitamin C, which is not normal vitamin C, uh, D3 to strengthen our immune system. And something new I just learned over the weekend that something called the chaga powdered mushroom has the ability to defend the body and keep some of these viruses from connecting with each other. Dr. Jackson, so, are you familiar with any of those? Um, no, I'm not familiar with uh, specifics on those. I Absolutely, I think we need to keep our immune system strong and our body strong. And uh, anything we can do, I'll, I'd have to look at the science behind some of the supplements. We do know vitamin C is good for the immune system, so absolutely eating your oranges. But really, in preventative health, you should be sleeping adequate amounts, lowering your stress levels, exercising, eating a good diet. All of those things are going to be first-line defenses against any virus, yes. Okay, well, that's, that's perfect because uh, uh, that's one of the things I am immuno compromised with diabetes and a whole list of things, and I'm elderly, uh, and so I'm at high risk. I've been self-quarantined for two weeks now, and it looks like I'm watching. I've got the Cuomo. I've got the TV on right now. They're going to call for a four-week uh, quarantine nationwide, and I think you can probably expect the president to do that today. Wow. Yeah, I'm wow. expecting uh, similar uh, announcements here, and I know uh, I think the governor has some things to say this morning as well. So I, I'm expecting it to get more aggressive here, and I'd absolutely 
commend you on your uh, self-quarantine. That's exactly what I do in your situation. If you can, self-quarantine, because that's your best way to not get uh, the virus if you're in that high-risk category. Dr. Jackson, for those of us not in a high-risk category, and unfortunately I'm not elderly yet, uh, but and I think about my kids and I think about the other school kids who are, are very low risk, even if they get it, you know, they, I think it's 0.2% actually get it, a, a, you know, a, a severe case. It's easy for us to go, oh, it's no big deal. Why, why is that unsafe for us to have that attitude? It's unsafe because we need to think about those who we come in contact with. So, you know, I may be lower risk than um, most as well, but I'm going to come in contact with my dad who's high risk. And uh, that's Mm. where it's dangerous. So we have to think beyond ourselves. This is a, a chance for us to really think about society. We are not individuals. We are society. And what we do personally affects those around us. And so we have to think of, of protecting, as a society, those most vulnerable. Okay, we've got time for one more phone call. Caller, you're on with Andy and with Dr. Jackson, the epidemiologist. Uh, what's on your mind today? Yeah, good morning. I'd like to uh, second uh, Seth's uh, recommendation that you hold this uh, lady over, if uh, at all possible. You know, uh, finally, uh, Andy, you have somebody on the radio that is a voice of reason. Clearly, she understands what's going on. And, you know, for the last month and a half or two months, everything on this radio program has been nothing to see here. Don't worry about it. People are panicking. But the truth is we've known about this for a couple of months now. And so I would just like to ask the, uh, uh, the doctor. Uh, so it's people are finally catching up to where we are right now. And I clearly sense that you're not interested in causing any more concern or fear. But the truth is, and you talked about it, the ex- exponential growth, we are going to have hundreds of thousands of cases in the next week or two, and in a month from now we're probably going to have millions of cases. Do you disagree with that? I don't disagree with that. I am hopeful that we're not going to be quite that severe if we can practice good social distancing and quarantining now. Um, right, but we're not doing that, are we? We're not doing that. What we're saying is, you know, groups less than 100 people or 50 people. We have been allowing this to circulate in our country for a couple of months, and we have no idea because we're not testing. And so, you know, at this point, uh, you know, it, the, the time to, to deny and, and to deflect is over. This is here. It's in our country. Uh, all you have to do is look at the alternate sources of information. Of course, the CDC and the president, they don't want people to panic. Yeah, that would be bad. But if they would have been talking about this six months ago, I mean, six weeks ago and telling people, you know, this very likely could come here, folks, and it wouldn't be a bad idea every time you stop off at the grocery store, pick up an extra, you know, thing of macaroni. Or whatever. Mm-hmm. So what we did was we waited until now. And now the thing's blowing up in our face. And quite frankly, Andy, we need another half hour to let this lady give us some advice and some direction as to what we can do right here in our own community to help the situation. Okay. Thanks for the call. I will say this. uh, I cannot give her the extra half hour today, but I will have Dr. Jackson on again. I promise you that. Dr. Jackson, is that okay with you? Yeah, I'm happy to come anytime. All right. We'd love to have you back. Sorry we got to run. I think it's been great to hear from you. I hear in your voice a calmness and a a resolution that that this is going to be okay as long as we take care of business. Is that right? Yep. Let's take care of each other. Let's be smart about this um, and move forward. I'd, I'd like to see better days here. All right. Thank you, Dr. Jackson. Great to talk to you today. Thank you.